Hi, I'm Pastor Corey, and you're listening to Orange United Methodist Sermon Podcast. We're a church in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, that wants to help you find your place in God's story. And we hope that this sermon will guide you along that journey. Visit orangemethodist.org for more information about location, service times, upcoming events, and ways to give. We hope you enjoy. Hear now God's word. Jesus heard that they had driven him out. And when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir? Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and the one speaking with you is he. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. Jesus said, I came into this world for judgment so that those who do not see may see, and those who do see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard this and said to him, Surely we are not blind, are we? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would not have sin. But now that you say, We see, your sin remains. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Pastor Corey. Let's pray once again. Lord God Almighty, you are the God of grace and the God of mercy. We give thanks for your holy word as it has been read, as it's been handed down from generation to generation, and the way that it still speaks to us today. And now, by the power of your Holy Spirit, would you transform the words that proceed from my mouth and as they fall upon our ears and penetrate our hearts, may they be changed into the word of God that we need to hear today as individuals and collectively as one body. Lord, we pray this in the name of Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit and all of God's people said, Amen. Here in the ninth chapter of John, we have one of my favorite stories in all of the Bible. Today, we only read just a few of the verses that are the last parts of the story because it is a fairly long story, but I thought I would be able to tell that story to us so we might be reminded about what it is that Jesus did. One day, Jesus is walking along in Jerusalem with his disciples, and he sees a man who has been blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents that he might be born blind. I think it's kind of convenient that the gospel writer does not name which disciple asked that question. Because that is truly a terrible question. Especially if the blind man was able to hear them discussing his condition. I mean, that's a horrible question. That's almost like a toddler or a young child asking an adult, what happened to your hair when they're standing there bald? Not... Not that I can relate to such a thing ever happening. That question about who sinned, that's an awful question. It's like throwing salt into the wound that this man has dealt with for all of his life. All of his life has been in darkness. And now these strangers walking along the road start asking a rabbi about why he's blind. Was it his sin or his parents' I think it's as a way of them trying to understand this man's condition. They begin to play what we play too many times in that blame game. 
you know, what's so strange about them trying to find who to blame in all of this is I'm sure that they knew the story of Job. Asking Jesus why this man was blind, was it his sins or his parents' sins, make them sound just like Job's friends who were inquiring of him of what he must have done to have had all of this suffering come upon him. Clearly, they didn't learn anything from Job's suffering. I'm not really sure that we have either. When we see people's conditions, we are way too quick to assign blame as an extreme. Do you remember just a few years ago when Hurricane Katrina hit New Orleans? There was a television preacher that went online and went on TV and said how God had allowed this to happen to New Orleans because of sinful living conditions. We know that was false. And it caused such an outcry. People were calling it out in public ways about this reckless and ridiculous statement that had been made. But the thing is, we make reckless and ridiculous statements and decisions all the time. When we see a homeless person, we're too quick to blame them and say that, oh, they just don't want to work. We hear about a teenager getting in trouble of some sort, and we suddenly blame their parents for they must not have done a good enough job. It even happens when we watch sports, as if there were sports for us to watch right now. If you haven't forgotten, we're supposed to be in the middle of March madness right now. But when we watch a basketball game and a player misses a last-second shot causing his team to lose, we're so quick to place blame on that player for missing the shot, conveniently forgetting about all the other shots that have been missed over the course of the entire game. And what's even funnier is when we try to blame someone else, the officials, and trying to think that maybe they somehow caused and showed favoritism to the other team which caused us to lose. You know what? Right now, we want to blame somebody for this mess that we find ourselves in. We want to blame someone for the virus. We want to blame someone for the decisions that are being made. We want to blame someone for buying up all the toilet paper. Okay, maybe that one's fair. Maybe that one we can get away with blaming someone. But I think in the midst of playing this blame game, it's our way of trying to take control over the circumstances that we find ourselves in. And it's much easier for us to deal with them if we can say it must be someone else's fault. I think that the disciples, like us, they were playing this blame game because of the fact that they were hurting. And right now we're hurting. And hurt people hurt people. The disciples wanted to play that blame game. Who sinned, this man or his parents? And Jesus blows their game up completely. He says, neither. Neither this man nor his parents' sin caused him to be blind. Now, What's interesting is I know that we're speaking about human beings and all of us humans have sinned and we know that his parents must have sinned. We know that the blind man himself must have sinned. But Jesus is saying it's not the sin that has brought this condition upon him. For we all sin and fall short of God's glory. But Jesus is saying that this man is not suffering because of his sin. He was blind, born blind so that the glory of God could be revealed through him. That might have been the most life 
life-giving thing that had ever been said about this man who had been born blind. Because you can imagine, all throughout his life, he had probably prayed time and time again, Why, O oh Lord? Why, O oh Lord? What have I done to deserve this? What must I do to receive sight? You can imagine he prayed that over and over again. But here, in a sense, before Jesus does anything else for this man, Jesus gives him peace. It's not your fault. Your sins did not bring this affliction upon you. You're blind so that the glory of the Lord could be revealed through you. And you know what's most fascinating to me about this whole story is that unlike so many other miracle stories that we have recorded in the Gospels, the blind man never even asked Jesus for help. Perhaps, perhaps that's because maybe he felt that there was no help him. Maybe he had given up all hope, which led him to resign himself to the darkness. He had prayed, and he had prayed, and seen no change. And so maybe he finally had accepted his place in the dark. You know, watching the news at times right now, it has me at that same point of resigning myself to the darkness and almost of having no hope. People that we know and that we love and care for are awaiting results of the COVID-19 tests that have been given to them. And in the midst of all of it, so many of us are beginning to feel helpless and hopeless. You know, about a week and a half ago when we announced that we were going to close worship for two Sundays, it almost seemed unimaginable where we are right now with the number of cases and the number of precautions that we're having to take. More and more, it makes us feel helpless and hopeless. And for some, that hopelessness can become so overwhelming. For just this past week, I lost a friend who took his own life. And in his final letter, he wrote about the hopelessness that had taken over his life. I don't have to tell you this. I'm sure you already know, these are dark days. And some days it just feels like we're the blind man, sitting and waiting and wallowing in our darkness. But here's the good news. Our worst days are not our last days. And just as Jesus came into this man's life, bringing light to his darkness, Jesus comes to us in our darkness Jesus brings peace instead of panic, help instead of hoarding, cooperation instead of isolation, hope instead of hopelessness. For the blind man, just when he lost hope, hope found him. Jesus comes. I love the story. Jesus comes and he spits on the ground. And he mixes together the spit and the dirt and he makes mud. And then he takes that mud and he applies it to the eyes of the blind man. And then tells him to go and wash in the pool of Siloam. And as we read through the rest of that chapter, we begin to see that he immediately receives sight after having washed. And we conveniently learn that Jesus did all of this on the Sabbath. 
And according to the ways that the Jews understood the laws of the Sabbath, the mixing together of the spit and the dirt to make the mud would have been considered work. Which, as you recall from the Ten Commandments, any type of work was forbidden on the Sabbath. So in the process of Jesus healing this man, bringing light into his darkness, giving sight to the blind, Jesus violated one of the laws. Now in the Bible, you can parse out over 600 different sins. But I know that the way that I look at sin is that sin is anything that separates us from God. Anything that separates you from God. When Jesus worked to heal this man, he wasn't being separated from God. Instead, he was bringing this man to God. This man had people come who had given testimony and witness to the fact that he had been born blind. And people testifying that, that, and asking questions whether or not he had actually been blind. His parents are even brought before the Pharisees and they are interrogated. And ultimately all they can do is say, ask him. He's the one that was born this way. He can give witness and testimony himself. And when he continues to testify is all I know that I was blind. But now I see. He was excommunicated, cast out of the synagogue. Now towards the end of the chapter, in that passage that Pastor Corey read just a few moments ago, after the man has been kicked out, Jesus finds him once again. He asks him, do you believe in the Son of Man? I think that that's a question that Jesus asks not just of us also, but of him. Jesus asked us, do you believe in the Son of Man? And just as this man professes his faith, if we do believe in the Son of Man, then we are not people that sit in the darkness and hopelessness. We are the people that receive that hope and light through him. In the midst of where you are right now at home, it can feel so bleak, it can feel so dark. And in the midst of our hopelessness, just when we lose hope, hope finds us. I invite you to continue to look for that hope and the ways around you that you might reach out. Maybe it's through virtual uh, interactions with people online. Maybe it's through a phone call, a text message. Maybe it's checking in with your neighbors and seeing if there's anything that they need. We are to be messengers of hope. And if we believe that Jesus is who he says he is, if we do believe that Jesus is the Son of Man, that we are called to be people that live a life of hope. Maybe today you're one of those that's feeling overwhelmed by the darkness. Maybe you're one of those that is sitting there wondering how much darker it might be. Maybe the reason we're interacting in this way today is so that you might be reminded that God is Emmanuel, the God with us. And no matter how isolated we may become, He always is present there for you. You are not alone. Let us cling to the hope that we have in him. Let us pray. God of grace and God of mercy, we do recognize that you are Emmanuel, the God with us. 
We give thanks for all the ways that you demonstrate that to us. We give thanks for those loved ones that are reaching out and touching our lives and reconnecting with people from such a great distance. And we give thanks that you are the one that is truly in control. Lord, we place all our hope in you. And we pray that you might pour out a spirit of peace upon us all. And that in ways that far surpass our own understanding, you might use these circumstances to make us one. One as a people of God. One that clings to the hope of Christ. Lord, we pray this in the name of Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit and all of God's people said, Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. And please join us again next week. In the meantime, you can find us online at orangemethodist.org.